I hate that. Hate what? Myself. Welcome to episode 33 of the Film Insert Music Video Land podcast. I'm Adam Fairholm. This is Doug Klinger. And uh, how are you, Doug? Super good. How are you, Adam? That's definitely getting cut out. And it's like, <laughs> it's not, not like, not only that, it's going to be like so, like, it's just going to go from you talking into me going, that's getting cut out, and no one's going to know what you just said. Mm-hmm. So. You know, that to look forward to and then to look back upon after listening. Email me if you guys really want to know. So on the podcast this week, we have somebody who is, uh, who are both at work, whose work we were familiar with, but we kept seeing popping up in music videos here and there. And when we looked into it, he was and has been in, in a very large amount of music videos. So we wanted to talk to him. And that man's name is Mr. Michael Q. Schmidt. Now, Doug, can can you give us a little background on on Michael Q. Schmidt? Uh, absolutely. Um, fans of Tim and Eric um, will know him by his character name on Tim and Eric, Michael Q. Schmidt, um, or <laughs> or also um, Winterman from uh, the Crimbus special. Yeah, from the from the Crimbus special. That's how I I know Michael Q. Schmidt. It's Winterman and the Tim and Eric Crimbus special, which Doug and I are both fans of. But he but, uh, definitely made his like he was a, a significant player on the awesome show, great job, and and he was uh, in the Uncle Muscles Grand Championship against Casey and his brother to uh, to see who was the grand champion of of Uncle Muscles Hour, and I, I I think he won. I think he beats I think he beats Casey and his brother if I if I recall correctly. So he's definitely like one of those uh, uh, characters who's you know like David Lieberhart and like James Qual. And like the late Richard Dunn, who uh, just kind of like stayed along with Tim and Eric throughout there. I mean, he started with them, at, as a matter of fact, way back. He was um, he was the body of Joy Peters on Tom Goes to the Mayor, which was actually Tim and Eric's first show. So he's been part of the their ragtag group of dreamers since the beginning. Ragtag group of dreamers. That's a... I think I heard that in a, like a maybe a credit card commercial. I don't know. <laughs> Now, yeah, the I mean, when we kind of, I mean, we knew who Michael Q. Schmidt is, and we started seeing him in music videos, uh, you know, over and over again. And if you go to search for him on the site, you'll see he has 20 credits to his name in the database, and, and these range from artists like Toby Keith um, for the American Ride video to um, 303 Touching On My, and even MIA, the Born Free video, Um and this is a, uh, you know, if you watch a lot of his videos and have t- taken a look at a lot of his television and, and film work, you'll notice a thread, and that is that um, uh, he appears quite frequently in the nude, or at, at least using his body or physicality as uh, as part of his um, part of his acting. And if you are not aware of what Michael Q. Schmidt looks like. You, uh, you only need to know the factoid that um, he was the body model for uh, the troll from the Harry Potter and the Sorcerer and the uh, Sorcerer's Stone movie from the early 2000s. So I'm excited to talk to Michael later in the show. It's a great interview. You should stick around for it. Well, Doug and I just waste your time talking about crazy bullshit. Uh, that's relatively accurate description of what we're about to get into right now. You know, it's funny. Do people do people enjoy us talking, or do they enjoy the interviews? Because I've heard conflicting reports. Who's reporting to you? Uh, my nana. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> so serious. Like, no, but seriously, like, who is reporting to you? I'll cut it out if you want me to. If they, uh, if I can't remember. Paid. Actually, I, actually, I think it's just my own. Your own thoughts? My yeah, own thoughts. I, you have conflicting reports in your brain. Um, uh, I, 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 
I've heard I've heard uh, favorable things about our our pre-show banter. Mm-hmm. However, it is nice of us to put that indicator before the interview starts. So if someone is fast forwarding through, all they have to listen to is the transition music, mm-hmm. and they know they know when to get into the meat and potatoes, or they know to like fast forward to like the seventeen to twenty minute point, and they'll probably find it in there too. So, but if you do enjoy either or, and let us know on Twitter, filmed insert. Let us know through email, Adam or Doug at filmed insert. Um, but today we're going to, you know, or since, Facebook, Facebook, y'all, or Facebook, face, Facebook. Now, um, t- talking to Michael Q. Schmidt, God is talking about Tim and Eric and the Tim and Eric billion dollar movie, which if you follow any uh, Tim and Eric on Twitter, you know, they've been pushing and, and, um, has been their big project for the past, God, many months. And it was a unique movie in that it came out on on-demand video before it came out in theaters, a limited run in theaters. Uh, just opened a few days ago on March 3rd, last week. Second. Second, correct. And, um, and you know, talking to Michael Q. Schmidt got us thinking about Tim and Eric, billion-dollar movie, and their foray into... Uh, the movie. So if you're a Tim and Eric fan, oh, you know what we're talking about. You've seen the billion dollar. You've seen the billion dollar movie. I know, Doug. You have. Have you seen it once, or you have? Have you seen it several times? Um, I've seen it twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got it when you got it on demand. You got it for like 48 hours, and in in that span, I watched it twice. Um, uh, but I will say that this this conversation isn't entirely unrelated to us because. Um, both Tim and Eric have directed music videos. Eric Eric has directed a lot more, um, but they co-directed a music video. And then Tim was also in Matt Wells, uh, one of the music videos that Matt Wells directed. Um, uh, was it for Clues? Uh, for, for yeah, for Clues. Um, so uh, it's not completely unrelated to what we typically talk about. And so uh, you know the fact that they're um, have moved on into the movie in the movie realm S- stays relevant says me and the uh, music video they directed together is a really great music video that you don't know me ben folds and regina specter music video in which they play um husband and wife and uh eric wareheim is kind of versing on his uh carol character i believe from pretty close yeah very close Uh, it's a really really great music video i I like it a lot definitely check it out and then both of them you're right have i think eric wareheim directs significantly more than than uh, yeah i don't know if i I don't know if tim is has directed any any more music videos outside of the one they did together when well eric has done several it's Mm -hmm. like uh, uh he's done at least at least five or six without me even looking on the on the page um, Such as uh, MGMT's "The Youth." That's a that's a one that and Major Laser uh, music video as well. Um, and the one we get a lot, which is uh, also goes by the name Dance Floor Dance Floor Daryl. We get a lot of searches on the site for it. The, the song is actually a Flying Lotus song. Mm-hmm. So if you look on Eric Wareheim's, you won't see Dance Floor Daryl. Just look for the Flying Lotus song, and that is the one that we get mad searches for, y'all. And and y'all, y- you watch it. So Tim and Eric, have, have, they've done the TV format. You know, they're kind of masters or at least are in so many different formats. Movies seem like the next logical progression. They had the TV show, um, a live show, which I know you've attended several of. Um, they had, um, you know, they've, they've done music videos, you know, not Tim and Eric music videos per se, but appearing as themselves pretty much in music videos and directing them. And now they've moved to the, to the to the screen, and I don't know. I've read a lot of reviews of this movie um, because when it gets a theatrical release, and that's when you get all the you know newspapers throughout the country <laughs> going ahead and sending out their you know newspaper reporter who do, who does the movies, large and small, from the from you know the New York Post down to the local Gazette and things like that, and watching this movie and reviewing it. And that's why it has like a fifty three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, um, does it? Yeah, and it's uh, and then what does it have for like the fan rating? Good question. Uh, oh, I didn't know it had such a crummy rating on Rotten Tomatoes. That's, yeah, that I, was, sucks. I was surprised. But the most oft-quoted, I think, review for Billion Dollar Movie was by um, Roger Ebert, who you probably all know. Let's see, music uh, a film critic. 
and he's you know he ends the thing saying his review saying you know usually I like you know people who have are fans of my reviews of bad movies and he cites the I think two or three books that he's written that are sort of collections of his bad movie reviews which are pretty funny but he says he can't even muster it for this movie it's just it's just too bad which I don't really um, understand there's been such a, a large outpouring of, of hatred for this movie but I I'm a fan are you, I, I assume you are as well Doug absolutely a fan I think the I think the problem is with anything made by Tim and Eric that you have to be on their side well before getting into it I mean it's been my favorite movie of 2012 but that was kind of inevitable mm -hmm. I mean I'm a huge Tim and Eric fan one thing that I'm interested in and this sort of relates to music videos in a way and that is how movies go from sort of forgettable movies to things that are that are sort of enduring favorites and I'm not talking about the dramas or you know horrors or you know adventure and things like that I'm mainly talking about the comedies because I feel like uh, on the whole the comedies are the ones that have this enduring um, they're the ones that come up in conversation the most and I think that it is through sort of remembering or quoting these little moments here and there like I, like for instance there's a line in Tim and Eric and I should preface this by saying when I watched the movie I didn't find myself laughing out, out laughing out loud as I normally would at, at a comedy or like a Tim and Eric show so I was a little puzzled but as the days wore on, I started to kind of remember little bits here and there and start kind of finding the humor in them. And there's this line where Tim Heidecker says, come, let me feast my eyes on this boy. And it's, I won't describe the scene, but I say that at least two, three times a day to my dog now. And I crack up every time I do. And the dog likes it too. I think he likes it as well. You pretty much guarantee that the dog, the dog likes it. Yeah, Oliver completely loves it. But I feel like the chances of success in the long term for this movie is good because I think there's two ways that movies really sort of implant themselves in the cultural psyche. One of those is through quotable lines or sort of things that people repeat to each other. And maybe... Um, and I think comedies definitely have a lock on that. Think of like, um, God, like Caddyshack. If you're ever around a group of golfers, you will hear them quote this movie ad nauseum. And it's and it's you know one of those movies that is considered sort of a comedy classic because it's been picked up by so many people. And then I think the other way is through visual elements. So that is. I'd say the one for that would be like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. When you think of that, the you know, unique visual elements um, of that film kind of endure through things. And then when you think of the you know the mass of sort of forgettable movies that come out every year, because there are hundreds of them, um, you know they fail to catch on. I think in those two key ways. And I think that definitely translates over to music videos as well, although music videos do not have that quotable sense to them. They have to really rely on that that visual sense of that. And that's, I think that's much, much more difficult to, to actually get a handle on creating something that has that impact. But it just it's interesting to me that, that Music videos, the way people interact with them are much, much different than they would a film like this or, or, or a TV show like this. Um, it's because they, I think it's because they exist primarily on the internet that makes, I mean, the, the shelf life on the internet is very short. You know what I mean? Um, you know, a perfect example is, you know, two weeks ago, Odd Future put out the Rella music video, and it you know it got two million views in a day, and it's got it's got eight million views total, and they've got a new video out now, and that's gonna uh, you know that more than likely is gonna become the new topic of conversation when talking about Odd Future music videos. You know what I mean? They they come out so rapidly, and they exist on the internet in a place where the, where you know expiration dates on content is 
you know, oftentimes pretty quick. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and another thing is I think music videos still get, get more attributed to the artist than to the, you know, anyone involved in the actual create creation of the music video. And so, um, well, maybe it's, maybe it's not the director thing. I'm thinking more in terms of, um, you know, when people go out in Halloween dressed as Katy Perry from the um, California Girls video, right? Um, that's uh, sorry. No, um, that's a good point. That definitely happens, and I, you also get that there. You get you get you know there was girls who dressed up as Nicki Minaj. Mm-hmm. You know, you dress up as Nicki Minaj, and you wore the stuff that she wore in her music video. But that's because that's a lot easier too. You know, a pair of jean shorts and a you know a pink wig or you know look at what she wore to the grammys right like which do you choose exactly and you know maybe the the people that are doing what you know these classic comedies classic movies have done again where they have the sort of visual and and audible elements that people can repeat and kind of you know latch onto it that way you know the people who are the, the strongest visual performers are the ones that have the music videos that are um, referenced the most. Um, you know, I'm thinking of, you know, like the Katy Perry's, the Nicki Minaj's, and even, you know, Beyonce and people like that, people who um, are able to create images that people want to reference. Does that make sense? Uh, absolutely. Um, I think that, you know, going back to what you said before, I mean, when you... You know, when you think about the music videos that are, you know, your favorite music videos, you're not really like, you're going to, you know, individual pieces of that music video. You're not going to, you're not talking about the whole thing. You know, when you say, you know, one of the, you know, most, you know, epic, you know, one of the biggest, you know, most significant music videos of the early 90s is is that Notorious B.I.G., hypnotized video and when you look back and, and think about things about that music video you're just remembering key elements about it you know what I mean you're not necessarily remembering how they were laid out in the structure you're just remembering oh remember that crazy backwards car chase oh you remember those mermaids swimming in the living room you know you, you mm-hmm. don't necessarily remember the narrative arc that they're running from who right you, know, you just remember that they're doing crazy shit in a music video and I think that's really an important lesson for people who are making music videos is the you know as you said they exist online they exist briefly the window of time to create a lasting image in terms of some sort of visual is really short I, I mean here's here's a quick test that comes from politics um, when you think of Vladimir Putin do you have any images that that come to mind yeah I do. I, I I mainly him not being able to start that car. Really, I haven't seen that. I was thinking of the um, images that the his PR people put out of him. Oh, I know, like the, the like macho think, pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like him, like wrestling bears and shit. Exactly doing. You yeah, know, like, I think I I certainly think of like when you think of Vlad, like Vladimir Putin, I think of someone who wants to portray one image, but this is just constant, constantly fucking up. Like, like he's like a Kenny Powers. Or <laughs> well, he's um. I mean, for people who don't know, he he he's released you know all sorts of just ridiculous pictures of him doing these macho things to create. He you know he's tried very very hard to create an image, um, and that I think you know for maybe the wrong reasons has stuck in America where people think of these ridiculous images of him you know out in the forest you know, doing things, you know, fishing and, and hunting and things like that and doing these very macho things. But, you know, you know, either, whether, you know, we're remembering him, you know, for those images for, you know, to make fun of him or, you know, whether we're kind of agnostic about that, you have to admit that's that's effective. I think, and I think that's something that's really, really difficult you know, and that's why people bring in music video directors who have a track record of that, of being able to say, okay, I'm going to create an image that sticks in somebody's head that in 
five years from now, if they remember your name, they're, it's one of the images that's going to come up in your, their head. Because it, it, five years from now, if somebody says Katy Perry, I'm probably going to think of, you know, the fireworks coming out of her chest or the um, sure. you know, the Candyland thing from from California Girls. And if you if you can't um, get a great director, then just get Michael Q. Schmidt because he'll uh, he's kind of a uh, one man what the fuck moment, uh, you know, a one man you know significant moment in that music video, and that's something he kind he kind of gets into in our interview too. Is that you know his his the way he looks and his stature and and the fact that he's willing to you know so you know confidently be naked on film it, it kind of creates these moments that kind of are lasting in your head in such a simple way that's right because i remember um let me just open up his filmography here and of course the bane of my podcasting skills is closing tabs that i should keep open and uh oh, the I video for es- escape the fate by gorgeous nightmare <clears throat> the one image i have in my head of that is him at the table he plays it's sort of like a seven deadly sins thing and he plays gluttony and he's at this table with this you know scantily clad you know just like wolfing down you know sort of what you think of as medieval food so um our boy did, robbie starbuck directed that video. exactly directed by robbie starbuck that's what we previously talked about that on, on, an, on another episode and you know i think that's that's definitely correct is you know one of the things that he talks about is being able to say to a director and it's interesting to hear actors talk because so often you hear actors talking and you don't really understand where they're coming from they're just sort of doing a bunch of humble brags but he's talking about you know how he can give <laughs> an actor or a director something that is valuable to them and that is that that great image so um you know like we mentioned at the top of this podcast uh, our, our our interview is with michael q schmidt of uh of tim and eric and many music video fame um if you have to watch just three i'd i'd, I'd recommend um mia is born free definitely um, as well as a 303 touching on my, and what would you say, like Toby Keith American Ride? Or? Yeah, you're, you're not going to see Q Schmidt's face too much in American Ride, but you oh, that's will right. see. Yeah, never mind. You will see his body. Uh, let, me, let me pull it up and give you a solid. Oh, of course, uh, legalized nudity. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't see that. I forgot that in the list. Oh, man. That's a sexy music video. Yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, without any further delays. Um, let's get into a deep conversation about nudity with our guest, Mr. Michael Q. Schmidt. Oh, hi, this is uh, Michael Q. Schmidt. You can find me online. Uh, do a Google search for me. I'm all over the internet. I'm a crazy actor, model for our classes, and I give as much as I can to music videos and film production companies. Totally unabashed. If they uh, they need it, I give it. That's right. But, uh, you, uh, I mean, if anybody has ever, you know, you know, a lot of you know music video directors, people who like music videos, and even people who just watch TV, they will, you know, they may not know you by name, but they definitely know your face because you are everywhere. You have a ton of music video credits to your name, and a ton of music uh, and film and TV credits to your name. Um, you know, how did you originally get into uh, get into the business? I know you came through into it through art modeling. Is that right? Well, yes, uh, I came into it through art modeling because, well. Oh, a few decades ago, I, I lost a bet. And as a result of that bet, I had to, you know, come into a classroom and change in a, clo- in a, in a literally a broom closet and come out in front of a room full of 20-somethings in just a ratty old robe. And, and when the teacher said it was time to begin, I dropped my robe and started posing. And uh, history was, was rewritten at that time. <laughs> I mean... Uh, Pretty much, if, if you can stand naked in front of a, a room full of 20 or 30 people and without, you know, freaking out yourself, then pretty much, you know, uh, putting me in front of a camera and doing something crazy, that's, that's easy. That's a, that's a controlled environment. Now, Even though it's maybe controlled mayhem. You know, for, yeah, for the people who um, are familiar with your work, they know that you frequently are either 
partially or completely in the nude. Um, and, 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 this is true. <laughs> now, you know, you mentioned... Well, I, I don't always have to do things that, that, are, that, are, that are nude, for gosh sakes. I'm a, right. uh, I have a lot of fun as a character actor, and, you know, mm-hmm. whether I'm, I'm doing something where I'm uh, uh, wearing a... Like, like the uh, Cascada uh, music video where I'm wearing a, an orange song on a beach... Or, yeah, I mean, I I, I do wonderful costume work as well. But when when they need someone to to drop trial, I got no no compunctions. It's sure, what the hell? Well, music videos, uh, film, it's it's a creation of art, just as in art class. It's uh, see, like modeling for art class is like the slowest of the performing arts. The model has to uh, stand still in a pose, or sit in a pose, or bend in a pose, or or stretch out in a pose, and not move. And of course, uh, you know. but they still a model has to communicate a a message to the students, whether it's an energy, a moment, an emotion, you know, uh, and that's the gesture drawings or long long drawings or paintings. Uh, same thing for for film or TV music videos. You, you have to be able to communicate, and in that you create an art. And no matter how outrageous something might be, uh, if a viewer goes, "Oh, that's cool," or "Oh my God," or "I don't believe it," or "Damn," you know, you've, you've touched them, and you get a reaction, and that's how art is created. Art makes and, people think, and and so uh, you know, given your your willingness to kind of you know go as far as you know, directors will ask is is there a, is there a line that you won't cross? Is there a type of job that you won't take? I haven't found it yet, so I'd have to say probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, have, I have done some pretty crazy stuff, but again, it's all it's all in, in fun. You know, I don't take myself too seriously, and I hope others don't either. Just you know, they know that they can count on Michael to. To, to give 110 percent, uh, involved in any production. You know, I am a uh, uh, a partner in a, in a production success. You know, and so I, I, I vote for success, never failure. You know, whether I was dressed up as Santa Claus and doing something with the the Fred Figglehorn character of Lucas Cookshank, or if I was a uh, stark naked being yanked out of bed with my ponytail, as I was in the MIA music video Born Free, or if, as a uh, you know, full-on nudist, a militant nudist in the uh, uh, Tom Sarah Lev's uh, music video, uh, Legalized Nudity, now, that was a treat. Because yeah, I was going to say that <laughs> you're in good company in that video because that video includes people who are, as the title implies, almost totally uh, totally naked. Now, why did, they, why did they bring you in for that? What was the process behind that? Uh, well, you, you have different breakdowns. Or, Someone says, well, we, we need a, uh, an actor for this particular gig. Uh, he, he has to be okay with being naked or near naked. Now, in that time, uh, in legalized nudity, we were all stark naked, uh, the actors and the, and the, uh, the star herself. And, and she's hot. She's hot. <laughs> and, of course, I was brought in because of the contrast. I mean, uh, if, you, if you stand outside of a grocery store and see who comes in and out, you know, you have tall, short, young, old, fat, thin. You know, and I represent the, uh, the older, fatter demographic. <laughs> so my, my hair is not as short or as long now as it once was. I, I had a project uh, last January that caused me to cut my hair short, and so I look like you know, a, a middle America conservative, kind of like a, a little more hair than Rush Limbaugh, but not much. <laughs> oh, okay, so you've, you've shed, you shed a little bit of the, the trademark longer, longer hair now. Yes, but I still have the the trademark, you know, unabashed quality that can get production. <laughs> now, you know, the MIA video "Born Free" got a, a lot of attention when it came out. Um, it was uh, controversial in, in, in a few different ways, and and um, was really seen as a a really kind of landmark video in a, in a few ways. Um, and it's a, it's a serious music video. How did you come to be in, involved in that? And, and you know, you're you know, we should say you are Newton in that video, although it's in a different context. Oh, yeah. Again, the uh, personal philosophy is that nudity is contextual, not contentual. There's nothing intrinsically naughty, nasty, or wrong with, with being naked. It's in how, how, it's, how it's used and what is, uh, in, in what context. I mean, certainly there's something far more obscene in the National Geographic uh, documentary showing them clubbing baby seals on the head, you know, than, than just someone being naked, for gosh sakes. And so I, I like to do it in a context that can be funny or thought-provoking. Uh, usually in my case it's funny because, you know, I don't take myself seriously, you know, so I don't expect others to. But in that particular video I had the opportunity to speak with the director uh, himself, you know, French Roman, Roman Gavre or Gavres, 
and and then they'll talk to him and because he being a French director and having shot himself a lot of controversial and outre music videos, I let him know that look, I, I don't represent the, the you know the normal American with all kinds of strange hangups. Uh, you know, I'm was willing to give him uh, footage that he could put in a you know he could release overseas where they they're not afraid of showing full on nudity. You know, uh, and so when it came time to to, to shoot my bit. Uh, uh, I had talked, spoken with the uh, my, my scene partner, and we, you know, we got along really well. I had a few hours before the shoot to become friends, and so we just stripped down and we were pretend to be this, you know, middle-aged couple in bed, and it worked out really well. I mean, the uh, the the actress playing the, the SWAT team members, they were, you know, we were, we were talking about how we could best make the scene work because we had to do it fast and, and but do it seriously. And I said, look, just yank me up on the ponytail. You know, it's going to hurt you, dude. I can't do that. I said, no, nah, go ahead. It's only here. <laughs> and so, you know, it, it added to the uh, the ambiance of the moment. Uh, the, I had fun. Uh, and, and what was the direction that uh, the, the director, Romain Garvas, gave you? Uh, well, he, he, the director himself is a phenomenal director. He has a vision in his head, and he, and he loves surrounding himself with people who are able to bring the, the visions to life. Uh, I think that's why uh, MIA chose him because you know she knew that he could bring her vision to life. Uh, she wanted to address the the the, the great amount of, uh, of of oppression, you know, and 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 and, and bigotry in the in the world. Uh, and she didn't want to uh, underscore that uh, the blacks in South Africa are being you know being killed, or that the Jews are being killed during World War Two, or you know, or uh, so she decided to, to pick that 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 minority that no one is really really addressed by the redheads, and you know, and of course they, they shot that in L.A. Uh, the scenes in the desert where the redheaded kids are being marched out and and, and, and forced to run through a minefield were shot on a on a on a Saturday, and then on the Sunday we shot the, the motel scenes in a uh, a rundown real honest to god residence uh, hotel in, in downtown LA the old the Ford Hotel a lot of stuff been filmed there mm-hmm. but yeah it just you know, the the directors want to give their their work a certain amount of gravitas you know you speak about how you know you don't you, you clearly you know don't see a problem with nudity and and you know you know, we we're right there with you on that. But is uh, you know, we we also don't don't believe that we would be able to kind of confidently stand on camera naked and be able to uh, you know, achieve any kind of goals. Uh, is there kind of a a trick behind being able to kind of stand stand confidently on camera, and, you know, nude? Well, well, it, it, it comes back to modeling for art classes. Uh, the the saying is that you know anyone can model for an art class. But not just anyone can model for an art class. Uh, the, the first time I ever did it, way back when, uh, you know, I was very nervous. Uh, gee whiz, what if uh, nature betrayed me and something happened phys- physically that you know might offend someone? It, it didn't happen at that time. And but when I was through, you know, enough of the students were just grateful that I I, I had a uh, I kind of knew what I was doing and I gave them a you know a good figure to draw. You know, uh, mass, volume, light, and shadow. I I used good twisty poses. There was an, a filmmaker did a production called The Decay of Fiction. And as an art model, I, uh, I worked for him uh, as a uh, disembodied ghost. And they, they superimposed me in the old ambassador in downtown L.A. I never actually saw the film, but I heard good things about it. Uh, then in uh, 2000, I was brought on board as a model to, with uh, Sony Imageworks in Culver City. And they used my body as a uh, as a reference model for the mountain troll who chased the kids in the dungeon in the first Harry Potter film. And when I saw that big goomer on the screen, I realized that you know that was pretty damn cool, and I got paid for it too. It was fun, so I you know I stepped over to uh, into film and TV because I was used to it. I you learn to or I learned to look at nudity as as being contextual, you know, as as art. If it's something crazy makes people laugh, you know, or something serious makes people groan or shiver, it's contextual, I, and that's a lot of fun. When when you mentioned, uh, you know, nature, you know, treating you, uh, you know, poorly during any of these scenes, it, it it reminded me of a recent Dell commercial that I saw that that features you, uh, <laughs> and. Yeah, uh, 
Farsoak video, yeah. Yeah, and, and I just wondered if you could uh, talk a little bit about this commercial and and and, and uh, kind of how it came about and 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 uh, kind of just describe it a little bit for us. Well, uh, filmmaker Christian Hoover was able to shoot a documentary, uh, uh, pretty much about an artist photographer who wished to capture in, in his own work the essence of smoke, the energy of of just the body, uh, the intake and outtake of breath, and other body exhalations. And so, uh, knowing my my ability to give him what he wanted without you know batting an eye, uh, you know, he called me in and. And we set the thing up, and uh, you know, had me stretched out in this uh, uh, massage table in my birthday suit, and, uh, and hidden, of course, behind a massage table are all the technicians who had the rubber hoses and the air guns and pumps and stuff. And we had a little hose running up between my my, my thigh, and, and on cue, I would kind of make a grimace, and they'd shoot out a puff of smoke, a moment of smoke, and it was a lot of fun. But you know, again, the directors. Not afraid to try to tackle a uh, a project that others might see as you know a bit edgy. Well, I'm there too. I I, I like being part of that. I, I like giving people moments of moments to think. But whether you know again, uh, I mean, I, I watched a video that you know sees me on the table farting, and it's it's hilarious. Of course, uh, I can tell you what the inspiration for that was. There was a, a YouTube video of a cute little baby. Uh, and if you type in baby farting, and you'll probably find it probably on the first links, and it's just a cute little child, uh, you know, maybe you know six months old, laying on the bassinet after mom and daddy had, had washed the baby, and they got the camera up, and they're saying, okay, smile for daddy, smile for daddy, and the baby had been freshly powdered, and, and the baby farted, and there's a puff of smoke comes out of the baby's ass, you know, because uh, the butt crack was full of uh, baby powder. And so they expanded on that and turned it into a work of art, which is yeah, kind of cool. Now it was my understanding that the the artist in the in the film. I mean, he it's it's obviously a, a hoax, right? I mean, he's he's not actually he's an actor playing that part of an artist, correct? Well, uh, as far as I know, that's that's probably true. But beginning, uh, I don't know if, uh, if the actor was representing the artist or if the actor was actually the artist himself. I mean, uh, I don't have to know the backstory in order to you know, give a production company or a filmmaker what he wants. Mm-hmm. That's true, um, and I'm sure you know the, the the filmmaker himself may make a statement or give a reveal if one's to be given you know sometime in the near future. Uh, but I, I like the fact that you know even Dell Computers came forward and says, "Well, we, this isn't our particular video. We didn't do this, but we kind of like it, and we <laughs> applaud you know filmmakers that are able to use our product to create what they you know something special." So, you know, one of the interesting things about your work is you've appeared in so many mediums. You know, you mentioned art modeling to, you know, music videos to even commercials and, and, and filming oh, TV. What, um, you know, what do you think showcases you best and in, 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 in what you do? Or even what do you have the most fun with? Uh, well, I actually have, you know, uh, the, the, the fun is when I perform a scene, whether I'm, I'm dressed or stark naked. And after I do my bit with a, the same stoic aplomb that, you know, as a, just a, another day at the zoo kind of a thing, and the, the director says, okay, cut! And then the production crew, you know, laughs or chuckles or giggles or guffaws because I gave them what they wanted and the way they wanted it. That, it's itself a reward almost better than the financial reward that comes. But uh, I think uh, some years ago for Jimmy Kimmel, uh, he had a, a, a little segment in the show where Uncle Frank and Aunt Chippy learned to draw nude models. And they had this beautiful woman come out for Frank and Chippy to draw. And, you know, then, of course, they, the ABC burned out the junk, though it wasn't blurred for the, uh, for the studio audience at the Jimmy Kimmel Theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they drew this very beautiful woman who's standing there in high heels. Not a model, but actually an actress who was okay being naked for this bit. And then, of course, we do have one more model for you. Sir, what you come out? What's your name? Uh, Michael Q. Schmidt. Uh, hi, Michael, says Frank and Chippy, as I drop my robe and start taking poses for Frank and Chippy. And that kind of epitomizes me, you know. Uh, uh, art can be entertaining and as well as being fun. And uh, Frank and Chippy did some great work. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel's people were great to work with. Uh, I mean, I mean I've, been, I've been naked for Kimmel, for, for Janice Dickinson, for Penn and Teller's Bullshit, uh, uh, a few different shows on, uh, on Comedy Central. I mean... Uh, 
it just you know, it's just skin for God's sakes. Uh, I'm sure it, what I do here in the United States would be very passe in Europe, but at least here I can help push back that that pendulum of propriety and conservatism that uh, you know the uh, the, the moral minority seems to want to instill and push on the rest of us. Now, do you do you see yourself as a bit of a not spokesman but representative for? I mean, because you know, looking at some of the music video titles you've been in, you know, you know, legalized nudity or you know, naked pool party, you know, things like that. It seems they they have a bit of a bent to, um, you know, that nudity is good and thing and you know and things like that, and it should be uh, accepted. Do you see yourself as a bit of a representative for that movement? Well, I, I think I can be considered a representative in as much as, you know, I am the the unspoken, you know, demographic, the, the, the demographic you don't hear about. And, and that you mentioned all of these different uh, shows and films and videos that you've, you've done, that you've worked on. Is there one in particular that you find that, that you get recognized for the most or that people know you from the most? Yes. Tim and Eric, awesome show, great job, by Absolute, Absolute Productions and uh, Tim Heidecker and Eric Wareheim. These two guys uh, uh, got together in college back in, uh, I think, Pennsylvania. They're zany, they're over the top, and they're not a fresh, you know, they push the envelope and do some really crazy or disturbing things. Now, they had an online, or, you know, had a show called Tom Goes to the Mayor, where because of my girth and at the time my long, long hair, uh, they put me in a moo-moo, and I became the character of Joy Peters, uh, who was uh, Tom, you know, Tom, uh, Tom of Tom Goes Mayor, Tom's wife, Joy. Uh, actress Stephanie Corley provided a voice, and I provided the, the physicality. Uh, when the, the Tim and Eric decided to do their live show, you know, or their, their, uh, their, their live-action show, uh, Tim and Eric also show a great job, you know, I, was, I got a call during the end of the first season, one of the producers says, well, you know, Tim and Erica, as Casey and his brother, a couple of the characters, are going to be doing a little dance-off. We'd like to have you come in and be a contestant in the dance, in, Uncle, in the Uncle Muscles Grand Championship. Uh, Uncle Muscles is uh, Weird Al Yankovic. And uh, so, uh, in their Hamburger episode, uh, you know, the Tim, uh, Casey and his brother do their dance, and Uncle Muscles says, and now for the final contestant of the Uncle Muscles Grand Championship. And I stepped out introducing myself, camera pans down, and I'm stark naked. Uh, and uh, because it was broadcast uh, uh, over, you know, over American TV, they put a black square of censorship over, to, over my business. But it's obvious that I did a little raise my roof dance that I was stark naked. And that was a lot of fun. That got me a lot of attention. People were, oh, raise my roof, Michael. Cool, cool. I mean, I've been invited by Tim and Eric fans to actually come to uh, birthday parties and different events and, and perform that dance live for uh, the party guests. And that's been a lot of fun. You know, you know have meeting people in, in live in public, being able to shake their hands and, and still drop trial and do the dance. Now, when Tim and Eric took their, uh, did their promotion tours for Awesome Show, they, they also included me when they did Southern California. And so I was able to, uh, you know, dance naked in front of a thousand people at the Troubadour or the Echoplex, or the Grove in Anaheim, or 4th and B in San Diego. And, heck, I've even danced naked at uh, Caesar's Palace. So just, you know, the Emperor's Ballroom at Caesar's Palace. Like, <laughs> if someone had said to me 10 years ago, hey, Mike Schmidt, you're fun, you're going to be in Vegas one day, I would have told them they were nuts until I met Tim and Eric and realized the, the potential for what I can give to, to entertain is, you know, almost without, almost in a bottomless pit, you know. I can, I can, I can give it all, give it all, because I don't care. But yeah, Tim and Eric actually was uh, what I've done for them that gets most recognized. And then, uh, uh, a couple of years ago, they came out with the Tim and Eric Awesome Show Great Job Crimbus Special, and for that, I was the character of Winterman, who, again, is, is just naked in the Crimbus cave as the entire cast and crew came and sat on my lap and told me what they wanted to get for Crimbus, kind of a, a, a Christmas special spoof. So, so I did the raise the roof dance to them, and I'm winter man. And you know, all cases, I'll I'll drop be stark naked because you know, I my nudity is not threatening. It might be shocking to some, funny to others, but it's it's done in a non-threatening way, and I guess that's what it is. 
Yeah, I'm not surprised that that's that's your answer um, because that's that's how Adam and I first came to know your work, and then through that, you know, we noticed you in the MIA video and 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 in videos after that. But I actually and saying uh, yourself, man, that guy gets around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we I actually have a picture with you from AwesomeCon. Uh, full disclosure, you and Palmer Scott. So. Um, it's one of my uh, prized Facebook possessions that you're, you're probably well, I, I tell you what you can do is uh, you go ahead and uh, through the email uh, that you have for me, you or Doug, uh, send me an address and I'll go ahead and send you an autographed picture. Nice. All right. Definitely. We'll take that. Now, uh, are we the first uh, people to talk to you that, that waited for you to bring up Tim and Eric, by the way? Uh, well, no. <laughs> I mean, if you're a Tim and Eric fan, people say, "Hey, Michael, uh, I I saw you on Tim and Eric last night. It was great." As a matter of fact, my episode "Muscle for Bones" actually aired, uh, you know, this morning too, uh, on uh, uh, the Cartoon Network late night. Uh, it was a once at one forty-five, and again at four forty-five, and, and that's the the episode where, uh, based on what we did at the Troubadour several years back, they. They had filmed it and used that to become the uh, Muscles for Bone episode in, uh, I think, season four, uh, when I got to work with Richard Dunn. And of course, look at Richard Dunn uh, of Tim and Eric. He was, he was, you know, their pep tap, great guy. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, he's no longer with us, as many Tim and Eric fans know, but he will be missed. But, uh, okay. oh, heck, uh, let me see. Uh, last July 31st at the Perform Now Chinatown Art and Performance Festival, middle of Los Angeles in Chinatown. They had this stone bench draped with a lion's, uh, with a kind of a, a leopard skin or a tiger skin uh, throw. And there I was sitting there, perched on this bench, with a crown on my head, holding a sword in one hand, a scepter in the other, otherwise stark naked, as my performance piece, as the Emperor's New Clothes. Uh, and there's some uh, pictures that were taken of me posing, I was sitting there, when uh, Denise Gray from Tim and Eric, she came and she spent some time hanging with me. But, you know, the Tim and Eric fans are, you know, a very loyal bunch, and I, I give them as, whatever, as much as I can. Uh, you know, if you guys were on the uh, West Coast instead of the East Coast, uh, you know, you'd be throwing a party and say, oh, we've got to have Schmidt come and do the Raised Roof Dance for the party. <laughs> I would if you were here. How, do you, how often do you do oh, that, yeah. by the way, or get invited to uh, Tim and Eric things? Uh, yeah, every couple months I'll do it a couple times. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I'll do it more often if people want, but, you know, I... I don't go out of my way to, to advertise myself as I'm hey, I, but you know I, I live in Southern California, Orange County, mm -hmm. uh, and and I admire the fans. I I, uh, I understand the, the the fan demographic and and that the fans appreciate the crazy off the wall stuff that Tim and Eric do, and my being able to be crazy and off the wall for you know for for a fan gathering, would be great. I mean I've had fans that had their own little bands and uh, uh, a couple years ago. They said, yeah, we're doing this birthday party for this one person. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, you check with the host of the party. If you want me to come and do, and do the Raise My Roof dance for the birthday girl, that'll be fine. They did. I did. It was hilarious. Now, what other one question? Think sure. about it. Is there one question you want to ask? Is there one question I want to ask? I'm not sure. Is, is, should there be? <laughs> there usually is. <laughs> is there anything that we should be looking for in the future from you? Uh, well, uh, there's an art piece by uh, a film director, Michael Hausman, H-A-U-S-S-M-A-N. He does, he's a commercial and music video director, but he did an art project that had me jumping up and down on a trampoline. Other people, too, in, in their birthday suits, and he shot it at 2,000 frames per second. Super, super, super slow-mo. Wow. And uh, it, it's right now in post-production. And when, I, when it gets out, I'll see it. Um, people may have seen me in the op Operation Repos episode uh, last week called Bussing, uh, uh, the, the Bussing Into Trouble. And the episode segment is online on YouTube, and it's called, uh, the episode, they titled the episode the, the Hippie Bus, where you can see me. One of the last things I do with my long, long hair as a, as a hippie whose bio-green, uh, biodiesel uh, bus is blown up by the repo men who don't understand how to properly started but uh uh a couple of the products coming up i gotta kind of keep on the qt but yeah keep watch for michael schmidt he's out there and if you guys anyone needs michael schmidt for a project kind of you know they can contact me through you guys or or, or find my my website and email on the web 
contact me directly. You know, I like doing crazy stuff. Nice. Oh, and before, were you alluding to a question that everybody asks you? That I'm sorry. Were, before, when you asked if I had a, a, a question, were you alluding to something that everybody asked you that we that we missed? No, no, no. I, oh, okay. I think it's pretty much, you know, you, you ask, <laughs> how can you do this? Uh, how can you get naked in front of people? Uh, you ask the question, you got the answer. I mean, it's me. Uh, I don't think that my 94-year-old mother could actually get naked in front of people. Uh, I don't think, even, you know, either you guys could probably get naked in front of people. I mean, you might talk about it, think about it, but when push came to shove, it's like, well, no. I might get down in my skivvies. I mean, it's the suit God gave you. The suit God gave us all. Uh, you know, win, lose, or draw, no matter what happens in this world, we weren't born wearing a, a tuxedo, you know. We weren't born wearing a three-piece suit. You know, we came into this world just naked, and, and no matter what they pack us in when we go out, you know, the, the clothes will stay the grave as our spirits go on to something else. And I bet you our spirits make it, too. Well, uh, uh, well, that's right. When they, that's why you know, judging by you know your filmography, music videography, when they need, when they need you know the pros, they call they call on you for that stuff because you're right. We definitely couldn't do it. Um, so we're glad that you're you're out there, you know, doing that, doing the, um, you know, working with directors, kind of pushing it to the extreme, and you know the the. Oh yeah, I, I invite a director to you know not be afraid to ask. So I, I want a director to know that through me they can actually shoot stuff they might feel uncomfortable asking other actors. Because uh, there's a film called uh, uh, Pretty Twisted, and in one scene has my character, and they shot it two ways. One, I'm, I'm in my skivvies, you know, uh, on a couch snoring, and the other one, I'm stark naked on the couch snoring. And when they, they, they took both versions to con and screened it, the one that got the, the, the most positive reaction was me sitting here stark naked. Again, it just, you know, I told the filmmakers, we can shoot it that way. You're not going to embarrass me. There might be something you can use. And sure enough, it was what she could use. It became, you know, uh, uh, so, you know, a, a filmmaker should, you know, should uh, let themselves push their own limits, you know, and ask me if I'll push mine for them because I haven't found my limits yet. I like doing crazy stuff. If it gets a reaction, I'm there. If I'm, if I'm, whether I'm wearing a wearing a dress, a two-piece hot pink string bikini, or you know, or start naked, you know, whatever gets the reaction that the, the filmmaker wants, that has the, the moment become one of those very memorable WTF moments in the project. So that was a lot of fun. I sent him my, I sent him that that picture. I hope he signs it. Yeah, I do. I do as well. We'll take a picture of it and put it up in our non-existent film insert office. Um, we may have one one I'll, day. We can I'll dream. Cop, I'll, I'll copy it and uh, and we'll both put it up. I'll I'll <laughs> Photoshop your face over Palmer Scott's. Awesome. Um, so I just want to follow up on one thing from the interview because. Um, you may notice uh, we were talking about the Dell spot um, where he is simulating farting smoke and he's naked on a table. And this thing came out in February last month and people are still confused about this. Because he, when we talked to Michael, he was talking and I think I followed up with him a little bit about that the person, Clayton Sotos, in the Visual Innovators series on Vimeo, whether he's real or not, like whether he's an actor playing Clayton Sotos or his real name is Clayton Sotos and he's just, and he's just, and this is a fake thing and this is not really like an art project. So if you if you look this up online, people actually I haven't been able to find confirmation anywhere. And like Gizmodo has like an article from February twenty second of this year talking with like four updates, at, you know, trying to figure out if this is real or not. Nobody can really do it. And the thing that's even more confusing is that Dell says they did not create the video. Um, their statement is Dell. This video is in no way affiliated with Dell, but it's great to see creative professionals get inspiration from using our products. Um, regarding this parody, we consider imitation to be the sincerest form of flattery. So I just I'm I'm not sure where this comes from or wh- why this was made, but.
but maybe we can get an update from somebody at some point on this because well Dell could also be playing along with it right they could be like i don't know what this is but they really do and they really funded the whole thing we could be getting back into our converse conversation oh this is exactly like the converse conversation where they now, the visual innovators account on Vimeo has one video, which is the Clayton oh, Sotos video. And it, is it, that? Okay. But the thing is, it said they, but, okay, here, let's go to, okay, here we go. I didn't know that. If you go to visualinnovators.com, it's just one, it's it's a little web page with a Dell logo that says, that's just a link, just an embed to this video. Mm. So I think this. Okay, that doesn't seem, okay, then I think that that's probably. A completely fake. fake. I yeah. mean, it's. I mean, it might not be. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Because Michael could. Michael could have just been playing along too. You know what I mean? Just they told him like, if you're gonna be in this, you gotta sell this too. So if you get interviewed, then if you get interviewed by Doug and Adam, then make sure you act like you think it's a real artist. Hmm. That might, our names may be in his contract. True. True. Um, the first, the number one comment on the, uh, Gizmodo article is spoiler alert, obese fat man planking and farting at the same time cannot be unseen. So there we go. We're going to end on that note for our interview with Michael Q. Schmidt, which was very enjoyable. It's, it's not every day you get in a conversation about, um, well, both acting and nudity. We, we have to mention that, that not everything Michael Q. Schmidt does is nudity. He also does a lot of character acting and things like that. And he's, he's great and everything I've, I've seen in him. So it was really fun to talk to him. I agree with that. He's definitely, um, he's definitely great at what he does. Um, and not just being naked. He, you know what I mean? He, in a lot of the other videos, he, he, um, he has clothes on and he's also good in those. Um, it upsets me that now anytime anyone is laying on their stomach, it's going to be called planking on the internet. Yeah, Michael Hishman is not planking. That is incorrect, but he is laying on his stomach. So um, so pick of the weeks. Let's do it. And I'm prepared. Go for it. I don't care about pre- preparation, but go for it. You seem excited. Oh, I'm excited because Jack White was on SNL this past weekend. And I was excited about that because for many, many years I've been a White Stripes fan. And I was disappointed when... Uh, Jack and Meg broke up, and he's finally coming out with a, uh, a solo album, and he just performed uh, two songs on Saturday Night Live, and um, my pick of the week is the music video for the first one, Love Interruption. Now, if you saw the performance on SNL, the video was pretty much the same thing, um, but it's... Uh, I think if you saw also saw the performance, you know that the first song, Love Interruption, was played with an all-female backing band, from drums to um, you know keyboards to his co-singer, who people bill her as a backup singer, but she, she's matching him word for word on everything, and that's uh, Ruby Amanfu. And uh, his second performance was an all-male backing group, and I think that's his... Jack White's always been one to play with uh, gender and music, which is an interesting topic, so he continues to do that. And um, the Love and Interruption is it's just a simple video, but it's got a really interesting visual, and that is the, the women are all kind of done up and uh, they look like they could be on the set of The Help, kind of, you know, in that era. Um, you know, Southern, uh, in 60s, I think. Um, Ruby Amanfu has this, you know, big beehive hairdo, and they're singing into this classic-looking, you know, silver microphone, and it's basically just a, a kind of a straight band setup. And even the performance that Jack White gave, gives in the video is very similar to the one that he gave on on SNL. So, yet again, another instance of somebody uh, kind of recreating their music video for a live performance. But it's it's a a really great video because I'm, I'm glad to see Jack White back uh, doing things as a solo artist um, it's a really fantastic song and they, they, they um, Ruby Manfu and Jack White have a great chemistry together and they kind of just let that ride for the whole thing and one other small tidbit that you may notice is that there is a Boston Terrier that makes an appearance in the beginning of the video and just before Jack White gets up with his guitar kind of puts the dog down because he's jumping jumping up on him. Boston Terriers are small so he doesn't come up very far but 
It's kind of a weird thing. There's no real reason for this dog to be here, but uh, check out for that in the beginning of the video if you want. Um, so that's my pick. Jack White, Love Interrupted, up, I'm sure Interruption, directed by Jack White. It's a great pick. It's a good one. Good song. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure I put that music video up on the site. You did. Thanks for your inspiration. You're welcome. Me and Jack working together. Um, my pick of the week is for a band call, um, that calls themselves Nero. Uh, other people call them that too. I believe it's a duo. And the song is called Must Be the Feeling. Um, and it's directed by Warren Fu. Um, I think this video is currently on the homepage of Filmed Insert. Um, might probably will change, but just know that we thought it was important enough to put on the homepage for at least a period of time. Uh, it's also can be found on our Facebook page um, uh, and Twitter. This video um, uh, is, I, I, uh, I, I, it's probably a um, like a Blade Runner, uh, you know, homage or something. We we got into this a little bit last week, you know, remaking and 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 homage videos and and the like. And I, I believe that this video falls into that category. Uh, I think it's the two members of the band. Uh, or the group. I don't know if it's called a band if they don't use instruments. Um, yeah, I can say group. Yeah, they're, they're UK dubstep group, Nero. Yeah, dubstep group, UK dubstep group, Nero. Um, <laughs> so anyway, the, <laughs> the, the, uh, they, uh, they get into what I think is a DeLorean. I, I'm not really good at 80s cars. Um, uh, I think it's like an it's set in the 80s, it appears to be. Uh, this is getting dangerously close on cinema now. No, I know. Well, don't we always? Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, <clears throat> Adam's doing everything he can to derail me. Um, uh, the two gentlemen in the van get into the DeLorean, uh, and uh, there's some kind of apocalypse, not entirely explained, uh, um, and, it, and it seems to be um, coming from the authority or the government. Maybe you can perceive it as, and, and uh, uh, Adam has thrown me so bad on this, but uh, luckily the song behind me is good this week, so it's being played, and uh, so this few minutes hasn't been entirely horrible. But check out the video, it's got some awesome effects and a car chase with a DeLorean and motorcycles and colors! Doug's pick of the week. Now, um, I have some follow-up to your pick of the week, because this is a fantastic music video brought to us by the good people at uh, Partisan, who are a production company that do some fantastic work. Um, they're pretty much the top of the pops for music videos, and if you watch this, this is a fantastically shot. I mean, it has unbelievably high production values. Partisan and Doomsday. Partisan and Doomsday. Our top of the pops. Correct. Um, and the, the Cars is a uh, restored uh, De Tommaso Pantera GTS. That's um, what I said, a Tommaso Pantera <laughs> GTS. Wait, wait, don't laugh, hold on. Tommaso Pantera GTS. That's going over every time I said DeLorean. Boom! Great. Editing. And um, I just want to say that I think this has a lot of Tron um, elements to it, and, and one of them is the, the 80s vibe to it. Um, which is kind of seen all around, especially when they go into the city and there's the advertisements. Um, you yeah, kind of get a little bit of Tron and a little bit of like Back to the Future, uh, futuristic town. But those aren't um, those aren't um, apocalyptic movies, are they? This, I'm like this is apocalyptic more, so it is like a futuristic, oppressive government kind of totalitarian regime thing. That sounds like the apocalypse to me. Mm, apocalypse is usually more supernatural though. Oh, post-apocalyptic. Okay, I... No, no, that's Mad Max kind of stuff. I think this is more Tron stuff, because also... I don't know, I don't know. Video Static says Blade Runner is with Video Static, so... Oh, there's Blade Runner in there, but there's specific it... elements of Tron, like... I'm when... not saying that there isn't. Did you, did you say that... Did I say that there isn't? No, I guess you didn't know. Damn, you're getting all feisty, talking through my pick. So I just had to, I had to correct the car thing, because I read that earlier today. And I needed to get oh, you read it. Oh, reading. Preparation for <laughs> podcasts. Who, what is, what is this? No, what, it's the worst. This is, this is um, a music video land, this is a music video land I know. Um, 
Well, anyway, I believe that uh, that does it for this episode. I had fun. It was a good one. I love go see Tim and Eric's billion dollar movie and go. Um, if you're in the Christmas spirit, I highly recommend adding Christmas special to your repertoire. Not just for Tim and Eric, and not for just the Christmas spirit, but also for Michael Q. Schmidt as Winterman. It's it's definitely made it into my rotation. Totally has. My family doesn't like it, but I have added it. Members um, of my family, my sister and I are huge fans of Tim and Eric, and right. we we celebrate Christmas together. Right. Um, each year. Well, there you go. We'll see you guys next week on MVL Music Video Land. Bye. So, so yes, on the podcast today, I'm excited because Doug, are you, are you actually? Let me let me start over that.